Join us as we unpack emerging trends and changes in digital transformation with the executives, entrepreneurs, and investors responsible for shaping the future of their industries. In these interviews, you can expect to hear candid conversations about the future of technology and the role it plays at some of the largest organizations in the world. Our hosts are members of the Kunai team, an agency that has been building software products for over 20 years. Today, your host will be Tom Baldwin. Hello and welcome to the Kanai Podcast. Today I'm speaking with Boyan Durich, Chief Data Officer at City of Virginia Beach. Welcome, Boyan. Hey, hi. Thank you. It's wonderful to have you. Um, so Boyan built a nationally recognized data and information office from the ground up. This includes leading database administration, data engineering, data science, business intelligence, and GIS teams. Boyan is responsible for defining and executing organization-wide data and analytics strategy. Data and analytics strategy. That's a mouthful. Recently, the City of Virginia Beach's Open Data Sharing and Performance Analytics Platform was awarded City on Cloud Innovation Challenge winner by Amazon Web Services, also known as AWS. Boyan, we're super excited to have you here today and would love to start with your backstory. Hey, hi, Tom. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm excited to be here and thank you for giving me the opportunity to kind of give some of that my uh, opinion or experiences and share with your listeners. So yes, uh, how, 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 how much time we have? Like how much I have to go back? <laughs> well, we don't have all day, but, uh, it would be awesome if you just did kind of a flyover. It's, it's always great to understand. Did somebody know and understand what they were going to do the, from the moment of birth? Or is this something that somehow came to you and over time and how you, ended up where you are today. That's good. So I would say I, I, I fit like in those like majority of 99.9% .9 that I really didn't know what I'm going to do. And to be one of those uh, definitely late bloomers. So it is okay to be the late bloomer. Uh, <clears throat> decided if I'm going to be in the data analytics, I would say no. But somehow you do have to have some type of the intellectual curiosity, let's put it this way, or creativity and uh, to work with the data and apply those insights. And I always said we always do this type of the th things, like even when we drive the car and everything, we are analyzing, we are stereotyping. And people don't realize how much uh, the data in analytics is not only information technologies, is how much is multidisciplinary field. So it is connected like with lots of others where you co going from the designing psychology all the way to the technology nowadays. So yes, I would say uh, these days is a little bit more closer and tied to the information technology, but I would say more multidisciplinary. So my background is coming from uh, computer science and uh, mathematics at uh, uh, Rutgers University, New Jersey. And I ended up in computer science because of the simple reason. Someone suggested me, someone I valued a lot, suggested me at that point because I was like a immigrant with uh, English, not 
the best. Let's put it this way. Uh, but it was like uh, good enough to start the college and get good, good work. And they said, you know what? Start with the computer science. It is hot field. That was in late 90s. Yeah. I did. I did the math because the math is universal language. So it, each and every la- language, the math is always the same. Two plus two is four. So it worked for me perfectly. So from that point, I started gradually building up my career only in data and analytics. Even though when I finished it, I thought I'm going to be in software development and ended up working with the Excel sheets. Being the part, and I always said, data is where the organization is core competence. So you sit with the business units, with the finance, guess what? If the finance is the driving component of the organization, you sit with the sales. If it's sales driven organization, you sit with the operation. If they are all about operational efficiency. So not with the technology. So that's some, somehow I develop myself. And I would say most of the data analytics practitioners from information technology started, but you upgraded yourself with all the other skills, subject matter skills. From that side. So that's the background in natural somehow mm-hmm. and ended up to be uh, working with the city. Uh, in the recent years, we saw the spike and the need. Everybody was, it became almost as the buzzword, data driven, data driven, data is assets, but few companies and organizations start living it. So the organization figured it out if we really need to live by the words and promise that we kind of and deliver it, we have to establish the office. So in the last uh, five years, I, uh, five years, I would say, you can see uh, lots of organization adopting uh, chief data office uh, as the main and central to have the strategy around the data and analytics. Uh, I was blessed to grow up with all that. So I didn't get the formal education in this one. It was mostly you work and you evolved. And later I get my MBA just as the almost capstone to validate all of the business that you learn and kind of connect the loose ends. That's from the, I, I, I would say a little bit from the work and the educational perspective in general. Absolutely. So uh, work and evolve that really, uh, I think from your career trajectory, to the data work itself, <clears throat> how you connected with your uh, end user that was looking to consume and leverage the data, and and then uh, what you did to bring what at one time was an Excel spreadsheet and what today is a, a data analytic capability that was uh, I'm sure, yeah, I, I know I didn't think about it, uh, think of, uh, about this, uh, predictive world that we would live in today. Um, I, I didn't see it coming 20 years ago. Absolutely. I think nobody did. Uh, we just uh, kind of like feeling it where the wind is blowing and where we might go. But, uh, the, we have to be agile as, uh, as, as uh, individuals and the organization exactly, uh, to adapt to, to situations where they come. And honestly, Tom, be open to opportunities that you see. 
So you don't know what's going to happen, but you have to start embracing them. So let me a little bit rephrase back and go how everything with this data started. And if someone is now deciding to go and they're going to say, and recently my uh, older kid, uh, he's a college ready. Uh, suddenly he said, you know what? Uh, can you help me out with the major what I'm going to study? I understand that 18 years old are not, uh, even if you ask me now what I would study, I wouldn't be able to decide. So it is lots of responsibility and everything that you have to decide when you're 18, what you're going to be in a couple of years and, 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 and more. So I was like, hmm, you know what? What, what do you like? Let, let us go. Let's talk where your passion is. So at least that we can start doing something we love. We have passion. So then you, then you can upgrade yourself not to be the average. Because getting to the average is easy. So getting above the average, you have to put a lot of work. To put a lot of work, you either need to love it or you are in desperate need. So we are fortunate enough that we are not in the need. So you have to find your passion. On the other side, you have to, your passion needs to fit your personality. That's, that's then you talking about disparity. Like, uh, I, I am not fit, but I'm passionate. So I need to do something about this. And we were talking about, it, and he said, you know what? I actually like what you do. And that was like the first time that my kid told me that my job is not lame any longer. And everything came because I'm hands on and I just demonstrated some, uh, conversational AI chatbots which I did because I really wanted to try the technology. And he said, that's so cool. That was so first time. So basically, yes, technology and data and all of these are getting now kind of like their 15 minutes of fame. But we have to be kind of like realistic. Maybe that's now let's see what's going to be in next because you're getting the new kid on the block every time. So this will evolve in something else. And if you're asking me in what's that going to be and I can – 100% 100% certainty tell you, uh, I'm not sure I could do that. Yeah. So we have to be ready and evolve. That's all. Uh, uh, absolutely. And um, it, 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 you have to choose how deep you potentially go. Uh, uh, so uh, you called mathematics the, the universal language. It is so foundational to uh, so much of what we do in computer science. Um, it allows you to uh, expand yourself in so many different ways that um, it's, it's interesting. Uh, 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 one of my children uh, it was in uh, embedded computer systems and um, uh, works at such a low level, almost at ones and zeros, right? And uh, ones and zeros are not going away. No, um, no, they're, they're not. Will change. And imagine, Tom, how creative you have to be to make all of this with just different sequences of zeros and ones. <laughs> if you think on that way, you're kind of like, you don't have a lot of, uh, your, your, your toolbox doesn't have a lot of tools. I would say you, your color spectrum is only two, <laughs> but you painted really beautiful picture. That's the art in it. So we have, do have the sense, but at the end, that creativity in us as humans that needs to come in and say, yeah, 
you know what? That's what actually human is. Let me show you why. Because we are leveraging all of this. And that's maybe where I was more uh, going on the evolution of all evolving on that. So, but you said something about how wide and deep. And there are lots of theories. There's like with a T, you go wide, you explore. That when you find, you go T and you go deep. That actually looks so simple and it's so spot on, but it's really hard to live by that. So it is like you go a lot of yeah. on the tea like this and it's hard to find where you're going to go and that have that passion. So that's where maybe passion is, is, is the key. That's right. And, and, and passion leads to interest, leads to hard yes. work. Absolutely. It, it, Cause you love it. Uh, because not all of us are, are gifted to be the smartest person in the room. Um, so uh, uh, a little hard work can go a long ways to uh, oh, rectify that. Absolutely. And uh, I'm not a big fan of those uh, quotes that everybody is like putting, but they I know why people are, because in in few sentences, someone put all the things that you are kind of like struggling to, to put in the books, or 55 pages and someone managed to do that in the code and one of them is i'm paraphrasing and i believe it's from tom Edison saying you know what if you want to make yourself successful learn how to do the things everybody hates to do so where the hard work is people usually don't like the hard work so uh that's where you but when you have the passion and love for something you don't see that as the hard work most and that's just have to find your niche and 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 provide the service almost. But uh, let absolutely. me let me actually uh, you you mentioned something about the uh, from the spreadsheets and uh, moving uh, in now uh, uh, big data and all of that. Uh, I remember the time and it was when the spreadsheet, the Excel spreadsheet was almost like uh, Poor's Man database. Uh, you manage the the, the <laughs> believe me, many organizations maybe even today are. Uh, managing their data in the spreadsheets. They can call it a Google Sheet spreadsheet. I don't know how they call it, but believe me, they are nothing else but the spreadsheets. So they're managing in these spreadsheets. And uh, maybe like a couple of years ago, it was 60-something uh, rows. So you hit the limit with 60,000. And suddenly uh, Excel became uh, so powerful that start managing a million. At the point when Excel was 60,000, Everything that we were working like and call that almost big data at that point was million rows. And now when I'm talking about the big data and if I'm saying like it's a million rows, I'm joking. <laughs> it's like it evolved. But at the same time, with the whole uh, big data, and I was a big fan of that, and, and I, I, I could see the power, uh, it almost faded and failed to, to deliver on expectation a couple of years ago. It was it was such a hype of, around the big data. Uh, universities start uh, developing the whole s- curriculum around the big data. Companies are start hiring big data. Then suddenly you get the data scientists are coming in. And I start seeing uh, many organizations uh, kind of like uh, being almost, uh, you know, in, in, in frustration. They didn't see the value as quickly as they were hoping to see it. They couldn't comprehend the value behind the data and the whole hype start fading away and now with the ai coming in in the rescue because guess what uh ai needs data and everybody starts seeing really quickly tangible i would say tangible and operationally efficient uh help outsource to ai 
that they suddenly start again appreciating again the role of data scientists, which is evolving even more. Uh, now you have the ML modeler, then you have the uh, architects and all of that. But in any case, uh, I think sometimes technology comes in, we get the hype, we couldn't comprehend the possibilities as the group, but doesn't mean that technology is not good. The technology maybe just didn't find a tangible way to present themselves to the larger groups. Uh, now we have a couple of technologies which I'm kind of intrigued big time, and I'm not the best expert. As a matter of fact, I can admit I don't know much, but I am really intrigued and in some sense uh, really appreciative with what's happening. Uh, absolutely. And, and, uh, from what I saw that when, when big data first showed up, you had these different workshops and get everyone together and they're going to come up with the big idea. It, it wasn't until we really started data engineering and, and then peeling back the onion on data. Oh, this is, telling me the this level of detail. There was a, a client that we had in um, the Pacific Northwest and they were losing power on a power line and they um, didn't think it was much, but they wanted to check it out. Well, they ended up learning it was tens of millions of dollars um, that they were losing in power. And um, and then they wanted to peel back the onion further. Why is it happening? Oh, it, it, it was actually a oh. pot farmers um, running off the lines. And and so it's that it's that learning. Did did they know it uh, to begin with? Did they know the problem existed, the volume of the problem, what the problem was specifically? No, they they learned about it along the way. And uh, guess what, Tom? The, 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 what you mentioned, it is the dollar sign that they got with the loss or the gain was what's uh, usually getting the business world's attention. So uh, if they didn't realize how much they lose, then on the whole uh, return on investment, they see that investment now in big data, and maybe it takes the time and everything is worthwhile because this is how much it's cost avoidance. doesn't necessarily need to be creating the new value or just being like completely on the revenue side. It is maybe how much operational efficiency we're going to come and save the money so we can reinvest somewhere else. So everything depends how you paint the picture, but it's always good to start with the dollar sign because that's usually getting a lot of attention. It's a, uh, you humanized even by, by putting that so. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you don't necessarily need to know where, where you're going, just that you've got bright people who are investing smart dollars in smart ways. And, um, and that, uh, you can always redirect. When we were first talking, we, we talked about the, the value of negative information. Um, I think it's, this is the data analytics is one of the most, uh, uh, it's, it's a idea that 
is absolutely mandatory in data analytics. You need to look at negative information, say, okay, that didn't work out, but it informed me. How did it inform me? And I can begin to redirect. So you actually made a good points with the information and data analytics. So uh, one is like where you mentioned the data engineering team. So I I always make the analogy and why it's uh, it's uh, it's hard to put the team together. So the data is first off, uh, data is just a data points are nothing until you put that in the context and you start providing the information. And uh, at the end, the information is as good as who is delivering, how you delivered, and at what point of time you said. If the information is delivered like two days later, then it's not information, to be honest, nothing but the garbage. Uh, lots of components, moving parts that the teams needs to be agile so that you, your flow between the information, uh, data and information is short and quick so you can deliver, but that's possible only with the agility. And the main piece is if you do have that engineering team. So I always make the analogy, like, uh, for those people going to the gym regularly, uh, they can see, like, uh, if you look data to be somewhere, uh, closest to the IT, those would be, I always said, your legs. Don't ever forget to do the leg day. So you do the legs. So DBAs, you make sure your, your organization is solid on the good, good foot. The other piece is the analytics or the reporting or however you call it. It is more information. It is the most visible part. And I'm saying, you know what? That's your upper body. Everybody's, that's most visible. So putting a lots of attention to it. Yeah. So that's what you see. However, if you don't your abs, your back, which is your core, then I would say your overall health is questionable. So if you don't have good core, which is at this time data engineering team, I would say maybe you have strong legs and you have good upper body, but your core is weak. So your overall health is weak. That yeah. same, so data science couldn't exist without good data engineering and good data engineering cannot be if it's not on top of good controlling uh, DBA's team that they are good stewards and they are maintaining the data solid. So it is safe, it is secure, and it's replicated. So you are secure on that side. And we always go to something I'm saying, it's a Zen, but I will never get to that point. I have to admit it is single source of truth. Yes, I'm still aspiring and striving to do it, and that's the goal from that perspective on the data. So we are all drinking from the same single source of truth. Does yeah. that make sense? So, so in that, and and I, I think what you're talking about is the data cleansing, data grooming. Um, uh, you, you have to have good data, otherwise, absolutely, none of nothing else is is going to matter. It's going to be wasted money. So in, in, in that area, um, we've seen major strides over the, the last 10 years. Can you talk a little bit about that and some of the things that, um, uh, you're able to do now, maybe based on the, the practices and the tools that, that you leverage, um, from a data cleansing, data grooming perspective? I would, I would, I would go a little bit. Let me tie this back to the whole AWS award that we get open city. So there are a couple of trends and, uh, and, uh, 
I think those trends today are relevant today, yesterday, and they will be relevant tomorrow. And they might be renamed and involved into the different trend or challenge, but they are basically the same. And I would say they're most, mostly around the ethics rather than technology. And uh, let me just explain what I think. One is going to be the privacy issues. The other one is going to be the sharing is, uh, open data or the data sharing. So they seem to sit on different sides. When you say, oh, privacy and, and openness, they are not. I would say they are the core principles of the future data fabric that we will have. And when you're talking about data grooming and cleaning and all of that, lots of things from that is coming. Either you are grooming, enriching the data, so you need to have the open uh, repository. So you are not reinventing the wheel. You are reusing the organizational data, which is asset, to enrich what you have. On the other side, you have the privacy or compliances that you are saying you are not cleaning only uh, impure data, which is kind of coming in to be dirty. You are sometimes hiding, encrypting, and cleaning something that shouldn't be visible. So lots of these processes go, some of them are like uh, on the governance clean cut, so you know you are just eliminating or you're hiding, you are aggregating, you are sanitizing it somehow. On the other side, you're just seeing uh, what values you are, don't have, what you're going to use in analytics and all of that. Lots of work goes with that, but I would say the main uh, trends that I'm seeing contributing to this is going to be how we're going to share either organizational data or open data like uh, in general. And the other one is going to be the privacy, what needs to be shared. And uh, I think they call it like privacy versus the personalization, especially with the GDPR coming and all of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't forget, Tom, I mean, like our data is out. So if you think that kind of like, uh, you know what, I think somehow, somewhere, in some capacity, some data about you that you are not aware, your digital footprint is out there. So that's why I'm kind of telling my kids and the other ones, be careful what you do on social media. If you delete, it doesn't mean it's deleted or it's forgotten. That's maybe in your mind. But in any case, we have to be uh, almost responsible digital citizens. You yeah. have to be aware as early as possible that you are part of the community. I am not the one saying my kids, oh, you can't do that until. I I mean, you have to start socializing, introducing your children into the world the same way when I was a kid, they introduced you, how you crossing the street, how you saying hi, yes, go to school, to, to store. Now it's a little bit digital, so we have to. And someone is collecting the data and using that in some and the set, it's going to be just how they use it. Is it going to benefit me as the consumer? So I'm going to get better products, recommendations, or someone is abusing that and could be the both situation, as we know, like, uh, it, it is, it, it, it is out there. And, uh, just uh, going back to ethics, it just who has the data in what, with what hands is that? Someone will be, you see where I'm going? It's like, uh, I think those are the topics that needs to be addressed as soon as possible because technology is getting accessible, cheap, and powerful. Yes. So data availability, data um, presentment is one aspect of it, but data governance and, and, uh, data ethics are uh, a whole new frontier. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we don't, and, and we really need to be aware of that and, uh, kind of 
as I said, responsible citizens, digital citizens, that we are aware that it's out and that someone else is, and we just need to be as the responsible citizens and, and, and obey by some general rules. Uh, doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to go like, uh, now we're going to have the California Consumer Acts and something that we are approached some, similar to GDPR over here. Regulations are there, but we need to start acting as the good citizens. Yeah, yeah, uh, as the, the good citizens, and that's the ethics side of it. That is the, uh, uh, it, it's so much more challenging because saying, I can't share this data or this exactly. type of data, it is so clear and specific and known. Um, Absolutely. But, uh, ethics is, uh, is sadly not as clear, but it is uh, a moral obligation that we all have. Um, so that is uh, a much more, um, I think, yeah, that, that's the world that, that we live in today. Hey there. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Kunai Podcast. Kunai Concepts designs and develops unique customer experiences that unite digital products with fintech for the world's top companies. We partner with our clients from start to finish to ensure that their product development efforts are always high velocity and customer aligned. This is why Fortune 500 companies, all four payment networks, five of the 10 top banks, and startups trust Kunai. And now, back to the episode. And and the, the same if you connect this like uh, with the guys from cyber cybersecurity and each and every organization they would tell you listen it's in your hands so don't click on these emails it's you if you see something suspicious reported same goes with the digital data and all of that like uh, if someone is sending uh, some uh, something that you feel it's uh, kind of like uh, uh, some privacy issue. That could be checked and all of that. So it, it doesn't have to be that someone is intentionally using and misusing the data or exposing the data. It could be just uh, you are not aware that that's even okay. Yeah. On the other side, could be, you know what, someone is just not aware of the whole situation and implication that that can do. So that's why I was going with the data and analytics being more like multidisciplinary field then because it's really something that is close to technology and guess what? It is in the hands of the people and then use it. Yes, it's close to technology. It's close to business, the, the, the ties that bind. And, and then um, it is so hyper-personalized because it is data. And, and a lot of times we're, we're looking at data about a process, but people tend to be part of any process or technology and and yes. that dynamic is uh, is certainly a fascinating one so, so now now if I, I i promise that i'm gonna go back and and maybe give you a couple of other trends from the uh, aws uh, open city so that's one of these why we are we were awarded that because we intentionally put the effort to open our data to our citizens as the part of the open data portal. The other one is like technology on which we build it. It is open source. So the whole premise, when I took the office 
And, uh, you know, you build your motto and you're starting to get, uh, uh, the, the buy-in from the senior management saying, you know, beside the ROI, these are the numbers. So this is how much we're saving. This is how much we're doing. But at the same time, we're putting these money hours for the first year. So the basically doing the whole math and all of that, my premise was open data, open source. I was like, since we are promoting the openness on this side, why we shouldn't do that on the open source technology? And I'm a big fan of the open source technology. And I'll tell you where I'm fan on this. It is, and, and everything is now getting to that. It is more like a movement and approving the distributed systems work that, uh, one centralized system and, uh, breaching into centralized system, however you do, it is still centralized. So it is easier to do. It is more controlling and all of that, but. Is it that single point of failure? I always ask the question. So should we have single point of failure? Or you are distributing the systems so you can act in distributed ways. Open source in my mind is almost like this. So it's not me building something. I'm opening up to community and people with a passion are coming in. And nobody's taking like kind of, oh, you know what? We could make so much money out of this. If you can in open source community, nobody's going to tell you don't do it. There's, yeah, if you can't go knock yourself, do it. However, would you like to contribute over here something? So lots of the news, uh, the technology that it's coming and all of these innovation are just spin-offs of the open source uh, communities. And, and they are just like... Uh, kind of like uh, inspiring the other ones to be the part. And that there are so many memes going around. And one of those is like uh, uh, someone sold something proprietary tool and uh, everything is uh, super. And uh, at the end, uh, the, the core is depending on some kid uh, in uh, Nebraska uh, maintaining uh, one open source, uh, one open source technology because they build it on some open source technology. And they actually memes are going like, this is scary. And in my mind, it's not scary. I mean, like it's so distributed. Yeah, maybe that product is going to fail, but how many other products supported with the other are not? So we have the more variety. It's a diverse ecosystem. So now lots of those are coming out from those uh, open source, definitely. So that's why I said open data, open source. And we did it on open source. That's it. And um, you... You, you have to find those vibrant communities that yes. are going to uh, live over time, the ones that are delivering value today, yes. because the, the, you mentioned contributors. Um, it is uh, that that is the single best demarcation of a healthy open source community or not. Yes. Um, uh, uh, that, and I, I find that, um, absolutely the, the, the value you can get from the community and what you can do when you have so many different perspectives. And, and, and now with the way you can contribute your code, the way the, the code goes into a repository, the way the code gets managed and uploaded and changed over time and versioned and revisioned. Um, it is, uh, uh, all the, the, the pieces came together to, um, enable the, the customer 
No, absolutely, and uh, absolutely, and you are absolutely right. It is almost like going into the store and buying the product that most frequently bought with five stars from ten thousand uh, customers versus the one uh, shady product with zero and every time changing the name. The same is going to go how lively that community is. How it's not only like uh, who is contributing, but how many. It's sometimes uh, the, the the strength is number is really important, and we we seen in the past uh, two years I would say the even the big companies that uh, back in eighties were almost like uh, uh, the the poster kid for the uh, uh, the 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 private uh, almost uh, uh, capitalistic kind of way are adopting this as the way of them doing the business and they are like. Uh, like uh, Microsoft recently with the Git, uh, R community, Python now, all of these and how they approaching with the uh, app stores that the Apple kind of introduced uh, back back in uh, in the with the Apple Store. So, but now it's open and saying, you know what? If there is the need for the product, someone will figure it out. Maybe they're gonna build the communities and do. So it is almost, as I said, spin-offs of the same approach. One more commercialized, one less. So, but in the in the sense, the communities are the ones uh, that they're delivering the product, not any longer one or one company. It is community, definitely. Absolutely. Um, you you look back in some of the early technology companies, um, some that uh, that I worked for. The product manager was uh, was God in the, the organization. Oh, I, I've only heard that a thousand times. I'm not going to add that feature. Exactly. I've, I've got this other one that that I've heard a hundred thousand requests for. Um, no, it's, 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 it's more, uh, uh, a shared community. And if somebody's willing to invest and, Absolutely. and, and you never know because customer feedback was the most important thing. Was it the thing that, that had a hundred thousand people complaining about or the thing that a thousand people were, um, uh, was it truly the thing that affected the customer? No, absolutely, and it's a it's a shifting from passive to active role of the consumer. So consumers are now taking the action, saying, "I like it, I'll do it. I don't care how many people will love it, but I'll do that." And suddenly he is selling that and building the community. Uh, while we previous had the bug, and they said, "Oh, it's not the bug; it's a feature." You know the old story about the bugs in the in the software programs, and they would say, "You know what? It's not the." bug it's actually a feature because if someone start clicking report the bug report the bug they might do something about it otherwise it's a feature so as you said depends how much someone complained which is still good feedback from the customers absolutely to get it at some point it's uh this is almost like testing the market value of something meaning how much time or money you willing to invest for that feature rather than me saying i don't like it let me send it and wait for you when you feel it is the feature. Yes. So it is a little bit uh, different, different dynamic, definitely. Well, uh, this has been a, a, a phenomenal conversation and uh, and I love where it's gone um, uh, to the to the future of data analytics and some of the, the the core principles that you found have driven you and and your organization. Uh, into the future, governance, ethics, open source, cloud. Um, any final thoughts? Oh, gosh. So 
Yes, I would say that the, 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 the thing where I'm going with all of this and technology and the, where the users and the final way thoughts might would be, it's like, uh, I am kind of foreseeing if we can, and even, even I ask the question on the, uh, we have some live, uh, internal community of practice where kind of start pushing and educating and sharing the knowledge and all of that, uh, with those, um, AI enabled, uh, features that we use. And I've always asked myself and even me, uh, being as English as a second language, now I'm able to use the virtual assistants. And I don't know how many people can recall, uh, just a couple of years ago when you were asking one of those virtual assistants, even if you are native English speaking guy, you would need to repeat that like 10 times and suddenly you would just give up. Now, even guy like myself can go and use the virtual assistant, which is AI enabled. So I'm a kind of like, Maybe with the whole this uh, new future of data and analytics, we kind of getting into the two uh, separate uh, swim lanes. One is going to be, again, closer to the IT, and the other one is going to be closer to the users. And I think that AI will influence both of them big time. AI is one of those rare technologies that I got so much excited because I could see the potential immediately. And I'm not like uh, scared as uh, some some uh, people I saw are like almost like seeing the hall from the uh, Odyssey, Space Odyssey 2001 and saying, oh, my God, they're going to take over the world. No, they will not yet. In any case, it is the good help. So we all have virtual assistants. How many of us are using that? That was used to be the privilege of uh, execs from the kind uh, of fortune companies only. Now even my kid can have it. But can they know how to use it and leverage just what I'm saying, we have so much at our disposal that we can free our time to do something more qualitative and all of this redundancy, I'm focusing in from delivering the insight and managing the data to be somehow AI outsourced. So I can have quality time spent on something. Maybe read the book. It's not a bad thing to do. Uh, absolutely. Um, give us back some time and... Uh... Thank you so much for your passion and uh, your interest in um, the great things that you are doing and uh, sharing them with our audience. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thank you, Boyan. Thank you, Tom. It was my pleasure being here and uh, having, as I said, opportunity to just share some of my experience with your listeners. Thank you very much.